listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Father, we love you. We love your word. As your word brings life, your word brings hope, your word brings peace. Thank you, Father, as we go into your word today, Father, that our eyes are open, that our ears are open, that our hearts are open, that Holy Spirit, we hear you speak to us, that there's new revelation, and that, Father, you're honored and you're glorified in all of it. Father, I love you. I love you. And I thank you. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Well, we are still in our series talking about money. Um, Today we're going to talk about tithing. Uh, controversial subject, but we're gonna we're gonna read what the Word of God has to say about it, and it's gonna be awesome. So we're gonna start in Malachi three, which is which is the scripture of tithing, and we're gonna read it. I'm gonna spend more time in it next week, but we're gonna start with it. Uh, this morning I'm gonna lay foundation, and then next week we're gonna talk about tithing as well. But we're gonna talk about um, what happens when we tithe next week. So Malachi three verse eight says, for I am the Lord, verse one, or verse eight, excuse me, for I am the Lord, I do not change. This is verse six, excuse me. I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, ordinances, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So. This scripture is talking about um, tithes and offerings and and offerings and giving. We're going to end our um, series in that, but for now we're talking about tithing. And the word tithe means 10%. It means 10%. So you kind of, tithing means 10%. Doesn't mean 5%, doesn't mean 20%. It means 10%. So in Leviticus 27.30, it says... All of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, get this, is the Lord's. 
So tithe means 10%. It is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. In the New Living Translation, same verse says it like this. One-tenth, so there it is, 10%. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. It says it, it must be set apart. That 10% must be set apart. Now the tithe is always meant to be the first of everything. It's the first portion. They call it the first fruits offering. So in Exodus 13 2, I'm going to show you. It says, consecrate to me, meaning set apart, put it aside, all of the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb of the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. The first fruits, it is mine. Set it apart, he says. Exodus 23, verse 19. The first, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring it into the house of the Lord your God. The first. There are many scriptures. I could, I could read them all to you, but today we're just, I, I pulled out a few just to kind of show you. He says the first fruits. It's, it's the beginning. God, the, the reason why it's the first is God is first. He is first. He, he can't be second. God can't be second. He is first. Matthew 6, we spent a lot of time in it last week. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. There is a divine order that God sets up that says, me first, when you come into order, when you come into divine order, it's me first, then everything else in your life comes into divine order. That's what he's saying. So, he can be second. You, you, could, you could make him second in your life, but then all of the things are not in order. Because he is first. He can't be second. That's what the, the Bible says. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I'm first. He's supposed to be first. Another story, in, I've, been, I've been hanging out in Joshua. I think I've said that before, but I've been hanging out in Joshua lots lately. And, and uh, in, in Joshua, you know, Joshua's taking the people into the promised land. And they're going into the promised land and there is battle after battle that they're fighting. But God says, I'm giving you that land. Just go for it. You, you're going to win the battle. And so they're going into battle and, and you see it all throughout. They're winning. A few times they don't. I'll say that in a second. But they're, they're winning. But the first one, the first time God says, okay, you're going to go to battle Jericho. You're going to go. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you Jericho. This is what you do. He gives them the strategy. This is what you do. But he says, the possessions in that land... Once you, once you take Jericho, the possessions in that land, they belong to me. That was the first place. It was those first, they belong to me. Don't touch them, don't keep them, don't hide them. They belong to me first. 
And then Achan, he goes in and, and, and they win and it's great and whatever, but Achan sees some shiny things he likes, some nice things, and, and so he takes them and he hides them. And he wasn't supposed to because the possessions of that first city belonged to God. And, and the crazy thing is, is God was giving them every single other city, like all the possessions from every other place. He was just like, this place first. So, Achan hides it. And they go to battle to the next place and they lose. They lose. And it comes out that Achan had taken the possessions. God says, me first. All throughout the Bible, you can see story after story where God says, first, place me as the priority first. So the tithe is not just 10%, it's the first 10%. In other words, God challenges you to pay your tithes before you pay your bills or spend money or anything else. The Old Testament saints were to give the first fruits of their fields. In this way, you're, you are tithing by faith and that you are giving God his share before you deal with yours, before you buy your possessions, before you, before you pay your bills, whatever, you're giving God first. Why? Because it doesn't take faith to give God the last 10% once you've taken care of yourself. And the tithe is not a gift either. It's what you're giving back to him. Exodus 23, 19. We read this, but we're going to read it again. It says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall bring into the house of the Lord God. The tithe is meant to go into the church or the place where you are spiritually fed. That's where the tithe goes, where you're spiritually fed. Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. The word storehouse almost in the Bible almost always means the local church or the place where you're spiritually fed. Almost always means that. So God's saying, you give me the first 10%, and and you do what I want with it. I'm laying a foundation. We're going somewhere. So tithing has been, or is, I shouldn't say has been, is. It's very controversial. It is. Throughout everywhere, it's controversial. Uh, because it's, people say, well, that's Old Testament. That, that's an Old Testament thing. They, we don't have to do that anymore. And, and here's a thought. Here's a thought for you. If, if it was Old Testament or, or if it's something that you're struggling with, and I don't mean to step on toes when I say this, but just think about it for a moment. We've been learning throughout this whole series that everything we have comes from God. He supplies every need, everything I have, my job, my possessions, everything. Everything that I have is from Him. So if He's asking something of me, 
and I think I don't have to do that anymore. What, what's the condition of my heart? You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You don't. So let's take a look. Let's just see what it says in scripture before the law. This is before the law, Genesis 14. So, so the, this, the, law, the law came in after this, okay? So I'm going to show you. It says, uh, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought our bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said. Melchizedek was a type of Jesus. Blessed by Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be, excuse me. Verse 20. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. This was before the law. Before it was, this is what you do. This is what you have to do. This was before the law. Isn't, and he was tithing then. So it was a principle that was already in operation before the law came in. But let's look at Jesus talking about the tithe. Matthew 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers? This is Jesus talking. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And he says, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So the Pharisees were, you know, I do this and I'm so amazing because I, I tithe and Jesus is like, okay, you're missing some things, guys. Well, my point in this is he says, well, you should still tithe. That's, you should still do that. I want us to go to Matthew 5, verse 21, and I want us to look at how Jesus looked at the Old Testament law. Verse 21. Here's Jesus again. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. That was, we know that's a commandment, right? That's part of the law. Thou shalt not commit murder. And so Jesus says, you've heard that. But I say to you, if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, uh-oh, I think I might have done that while driving before. <laughs> you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Jesus is taking this far. Look at verse 27. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Living under grace, which we are, we, we live under grace. Living under grace does not mean that we are free from the commandment of the law. We don't now suddenly because, because there, there is... Um, because we have grace, we're not suddenly like, everyone's free to murder. Or we should all commit adultery. But Jesus is taking it even further. If you notice, he says, okay, the law says, don't commit adultery. 
But I'm saying to you that if you even look at a woman with lust, then, then you're committing adultery. You see, he's taking it further. Jesus doesn't weaken the commandment under the law. He takes it deeper. And look at this, requiring more of the human heart. That it has to do with our heart. Grace will always go deeper than the law ever could go. Grace is what empowers us to walk out what God has called us to do. It's his power and his ability on our behalf. Are we free from the law? Yes. But it's his, it's his grace that empowers us to walk out what he's called us to do. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. And I want to show us that we, we are not our own. The new covenant, when Jesus died for us and we received Jesus into our life, we, we became not our own. Verse 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Okay. 1 Corinthians 7.23 God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. Titus 2.14 Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is under the new covenant. So I have become his possession. I am under his ownership. This may make us a little uncomfortable. It's like nobody owns me. But let me say this. Before you received Christ, before you accepted Christ into your life, you were owned by the principality, excuse me, you were owned by the enemy. whether you like it or not. And then when you came to receive Christ into your life and you recognized what Jesus did and you said, I, I'm going to follow him, he became the Lord of your life. And you became his. You, you became his. You belong to him. He says, I bought you with a price. When you received me, he said, I bought you. I bought you. You are my possession. I, I bought you with a price. So that means that everything that I am, everything that I have, including myself, 
belongs to God. Okay, so the tithe, the Old Testament, under the law, 10% belongs to God. Under, under the new covenant, everything I am, all of it, whatever he asks for, belongs to him. He's a good God. We read that. Like it's, whatever I get to keep, I get to keep. And he's blessings. He pours out on us all the things. But everything I am, that's the new covenant. I am his. I am fully his. So then if I am fully his, and everything that I am, and everything that I have, and every, every single thing is, belongs to him, because I am his possession, and, and, and he owns me, because he paid for me, because he bought me with the price. That means that then I am a steward of everything that's his. I'm a steward. And then everything that I have, the possessions that I have, the things that he has given me, the job that I have, the children that I have, everything that I have, I am a steward of him. So we think of the story that we read a couple of weeks back of the, um, of the man who mismanaged funds. He, he mismanaged money. He was a steward of someone else's money and he mismanaged it. And the, and the owner came and he's like, hey, I want you to give an account for what you've been doing with my money. But he was a steward of it. And Jesus tells that parable, but then he goes on to say this, that if you're not faithful with little, how could he make you faithful with much? And then he says, if you're not faithful with what belongs to another man's, how could he give you your own? And he says, you can't serve God and mammon. If, if you're not faithful with what belongs to someone else. And then you think of the story of the, of the talents, or Jesus tells that parable where um, the, the man shows up and he gives them each money to steward. And then he shows up later and says, what did you do with what I gave you? There's a recognizing that I am a steward. So I even wonder, like, controversy aside, am I stewarding what he's given me? I'm going to switch directions just a little bit, just for a second. There was a time where I began to question the tithe. Like, is this Old Testament? Is it what we believe? Is it just what I've been told? I don't think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes it's good for us to not just 
hear what we've told, but to search it out in scripture for ourselves. And so I began to do just that. I began to look like, God, is, is the tithe something that you still require? Is it what you want? What does it look like? And, and so I was reading scripture and I remember just talking to him because it was just so much like, God, what is it? And I remember him saying this to me, Megan, it's about honor. It's about honor. That, that tithing begins and ends with honor. I want us to go to Proverbs. Proverbs 3, verse 9, and it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Now, and with the first fruits, there it is, the, the first fruit offering, and with the first fruits of all of your increase. He's saying right there, this is, it, you honor me with that. It's honor. Verse 10 says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I love that. I, God's so amazing. He's like, you know what? Honor me with this. I just want to pour out a blessing on you. He's so cool. Like, really. And we're stuck here like, is the tithe a good thing to do? Should we be doing it? I don't know. God's like, just honor me in this. I want to pour out on you. The word honor in the Strong's means this, it, in the Hebrew, it means this, to bring glory, to glorify, and this, it means this, a very weighty thing. It's a very weighty thing, and this got me when I was studying it. That, that maybe some, maybe your tithers here, maybe you already tithe, and we didn't do the offering on purpose today, not because I want to manipulate you, not because I want to make you all tithers, or I, that's not that at all. I just think that sometimes we give offering or we give tithe and we just do it because it's what we've always done, it's what we do. And I want us just to take a moment today when we do give the offering to recognize that this, that, that just as when I lift my hands to worship God, just when I bring Him glory with my life, that when I bring money, when I bring my tithe, when I bring my offering to him that I am honoring him I'm bringing him glory and it is a very God says it's a very weighty thing that, that it wouldn't just be oh this is what we do we're just keeping the church alive what a, no 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 I am worshiping him I'm glorifying him I'm honoring him and God I see this as giving you my life First Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. First Corinthians 10:31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the honor of God. Whatever you do. And one of the ways that, that we show honor is through money. God doesn't need your money. 
It's a way of showing honor. Kings bring kings money. Not because the king is broke. Not because the other king is broke. Because they're showing honor. It's like, you've got all the money in the world, I'm bringing you more. Because I'm showing you honor. God doesn't need your money. He can create it however he wants to. He can snap his fingers and create whatever he wants. With his words, just create it. He doesn't need your money, but what he does want, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. God gave us a free will so that he could experience us freely giving our love to him. Love, by its very nature, requires freedom of choice. Love forced or love programmed is not love at all. And God is love, which means that he can both give love and receive love. (laughs) He can both give love and receive love. And he can discern if something is brought out of obligation or manipulation. He can discern that and he can discern that something is brought that has been rooted in love and rooted in honor. In Genesis 4, you see the story of Cain and Abel. And it says, Adam, verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she, convinced, she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of, gra- of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. I want to point out that it says Cain... Cain brought the Lord an an offering, but he says, in the process of time. Meaning, Cain brought the offering whenever he felt like it. It wasn't his first fruits. It was just Cain brought it. It's like, here's your offering. It wasn't something that he brought and had set aside to honor God because I I look at my life as everything comes from I'm setting this aside because I want to honor you. It was in the process of time he showed up and he gave some offering. And then then God says, "I I didn't like it. I could discern what was going on there. But then it says, Abel. Abel brought the firstborn. Abel brought the first fruits. Abel came with a heart of honor. This is before tithing was the law, by the way. This was the beginning. And Abel still knew that there was something important in the first that he brought it to honor God 
when you tithe it can touch the heart of God because it's a choice to take that God has asked for and you honor him in it it's a choice it's the choice that you make that you you said this so I want to honor you in it I was having a conversation with uh, David McGrew a couple days ago and we were talking about the tithe and and he asked me this question he said Megan did you ever think about the Garden of Eden and how God said you can eat of all of these trees but don't touch that one and I laughed because I I said yeah well, I've thought about it but I've never thought of it from the aspect of tithing <laughs> he said all of these trees all of these things are yours but not that one I said did you ever wonder why God did that oh lots of times I did yes but I just came to the, I said to him, I just came to the conclusion that God does what he wants. <laughs> I don't need to think it any deeper. God did it. This is what he said. And I hope I, hope I say it properly. There will always be something that you want to eat. But you can't. Or you shouldn't. Because that's what will make God, God, and you not. And when you eat it, then you try to make God like you. <sighs> Mic dropped. Phone dropped. We were texting. <laughs> and so we continued our conversation. And and it ended like this. I said, I get it. They had a choice. They still had a choice in the garden whether they would eat that fruit or not. And every day they didn't touch it. They honored God. That's God's. That belongs to God. Every day it honored them. Their obedience honored God. That belongs to God. Them not touching it honored God. That's God's. It's God. He said not to touch it so I don't touch it, it's God's, it belongs to him, I'm honoring him, and it brought God honor. Their choice to not touch it brought God honor. And so it is with the tithe that my choice, my choice to set it aside, to not touch it brings God honor and tithing begins and ends with honor with honor so Adam's about to come in a second here but again I, I'm not I didn't I did not from the very purity of my heart I tell you I did not move offering to the end so that you would give more
but so that you would recognize and so that we would have this moment that says, you know what? God, I honor you. It's not about the amount you give. It's, it's, it's between you and God. It's the fact that this is holy. And I give this to you because I choose to, because I, I choose to set it up, because I want to honor you. Recognizing that everything I have comes from you, so I give it to you. So you know how to give. There's the, the envelopes in the back, or you can go to your banking. I don't normally do this. You can go to your bank and type in give at embassychurch.ca and transfer the money, or you can go to our website and hit give and do whatever you want, but just as you do it, or maybe you do it later when you're at home, but just take that moment and just be like, God, I'm doing this for you. Because I honor you. And next week, we're going to talk about what happens when you die. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.